This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 288, recorded on Tuesday, November the 1st, 2016. 288. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I just that I'm just marveling at the <laughs> at the number. It is. It is a high number. We're going to hit 300 before season 7 is done. That's exciting. That's awesome. Do we have to fight the Persians when we do that? Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. We, yeah, just for the heck of it, right? Just for the heck of it, yeah. <laughs> uh when we started this whole thing, did you ever think we'd hit 300 episodes, Jason? I really had no expectations. I had hopes and dreams, but no, uh, I, I really didn't think about it. <laughs> okay, well, here we are, coming up on number 300, but we still have 12 to go. So this is 288, and uh, it is Tuesday because, uh, well, yesterday was Halloween. It was. And I had a lot of Halloween-related things to do last night, as did you probably. So we had to delay the podcast one day, and um, I posted it on Facebook. But just in case you didn't see that on Facebook, that's why we're here on Tuesday. So sorry for the day delay. We'll probably do the feedback show one day late as well, so that'll come on Thursday instead of Wednesday. Thursday, all right. Well, it's too bad. I was going to dress up for uh, for the podcast. I had my costume all ready to go. I was going to dress up as Lucille. Okay. Uh, yeah, I paint my face brown and uh, wrap my head in barbed wire. <laughs> That's a pretty good costume, actually. It's not a bad, not a bad and idea. I cover myself in gore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just bash yourself against somebody's head repeatedly and na- get natural gore all over you. Yeah, and I was going to tell everybody that I was Lucille, a vampire bat. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Uh, speaking of costumes, uh, the wife and I were at Walker Stalker Con in Atlanta this weekend. We saw lots of people dressed up, lots of Negans. Oh, yeah? Yeah, plenty of, well, just about all the characters. But Negan really stood out as the uh, cosplay of choice this time, mm-hmm. I think. So lots of really good ones. Little kid Negans. Older Negans. <laughs> that's appropriate. Like dogs dressed up as Negan. Oh, that's, was, see, that's a good idea. Like it was, they everyone went to town with the Negan dress up. It was great. Uh, just really quickly, Walker Stalker Con was super fun. We might talk about it a little bit more on, on Wednesday because Christina is dying to talk about it for some reason. But I'll just say we had a great time. I got to moderate some panels. As, as I mentioned, the big one I did was with Denai Guerrera and Chandler Riggs. So that was super fun. Cool. Um, in a huge room. Like, I have never been on stage in front of that many people before, I don't think. So that was a new experience for me. But I feel like it went really, really well. Well, good. You had fun? I, I did. I had fun. We had a, a good chat going. We had lots of questions from the audience. And... uh some good laughs because you know you want the occasional good laugh at something uh-huh. like this. So I was I was quite happy with it to be honest, and and I hope anyone who was there enjoyed it. If they post the video or the audio at any point of it, maybe I'll link to it because um, it was it was cool. And you know I'm I'm looking forward to doing more of these someday at other Walker Stalker cons. The worst part about it is walking out on stage. Once you're out there and things start rolling, you settle in, and I felt much more comfortable 
about okay. the whole thing. So you're you're okay in in front of audiences, I assume. I'm I'm pretty good. Like like I said, you're you're a little nervous beforehand, and like walking out is the trickiest part. But once you get past that, I feel like I was pretty good in front of the audience. Yeah. Yeah, I get that way about ninety eight percent of everything I have to do in life. I you know when I know that I have to do something, I don't want to do it, and I'm hoping for <laughs> some kind of something that goes wrong. I uh, just, you know, somebody gets sick. They just somehow, some way, somebody pulls the plug on the thing. And I'm just, I'm not looking for it. But as soon as I actually start doing the actual thing, I have a lot of fun. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I feel like that's kind of how, how it went. And, you know, the thing that almost went wrong for me was that Deny was late showing up. <gasps> so we were supposed to start at, uh, I think it was 1.45 p.m., She's not there. We waited. It got to be about two o'clock. And then myself and the co-moderator, because there were two of us, we decided, well, we're going to we're going to do this thing. We can't wait any longer. We'll start with Chandler and then she'll come out and, you know, crash the crash the panel when she gets here. So it throws a little bit of a wrench in your plan, right? Because I'm the one who has to go out there and introduce the two of them. And I've kind of rehearsed it in my head, but now I don't you know, now one of them isn't there. So it's feels like you're winging it a little bit more, but we went out there, we did it. We sat down, we talked with Chandler for a little while and then, uh, deny sort of snuck out, you know, in the middle of the thing. And all of a sudden there's a massive cheer from the crowd and I knew what was happening. So good times. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I also did Jay Bonansinga, of course, the author of the novels. He is the easiest guy to moderate on a panel because he speaks well. He has interesting things to say. He's very enthusiastic about it all. So he was super easy. And not only that, he did a, he did a reading from the book, from the new book, oh, cool. like a good 15 minute long reading uh, of a scene. And, you know, Jason, I'll be honest with you. We have reviewed every one of those novels so far, and we will likely talk about this one at some point, you know, in December. But, and, and we've, you know, we've been up and down on them. Some have been better than others. We've criticized parts of them. We've liked parts of them. But listening to him up there on stage, reading from his own book, it gave me a whole new appreciation for what he does and the way he feels about it. And he obviously puts everything he's got into these books. And he was telling me that he was sort of practicing the, the scene reading the night before. And right. he told me before the panel that he couldn't get through it because he broke down into tears. Really? <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Reading his own book. And I'm not sure I've ever done anything like that that would bring like created something that would bring me to tears. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Excellent. I don't know. Other than, you know, fathering children, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah. But anyways, it was so good. He was such, it was such a great reading and, you know, it just gave me a whole new appreciation for what he does and for what he puts into these, these novels that he creates. So, um, you'll have to read this new one and we'll talk about it at a later point. Yeah, podcast. I bought it on Audible uh, last uh, last podcast when we talked about it. I uh, I picked it up. It's, it's in my queue. There you go. So you got a you got a month and a half or whatever to 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 listen to that thing, and then we'll do an episode on it. Um, and finally, the panel with Melissa Hutchison, the voice of Clementine. Again, I consider Melissa a friend at this point. We you know we uh, hang out 
whenever we're together. So that's another easy one to do. You just get up there and chat kind of thing. I felt like we could have talked for another hour up there, even after, even though we were there for 45 minutes already. So awesome. Uh, very good time. Um, we had our podcast listener meetup at the hotel bar. Also a fantastic time. Um, I just want to shout out some of the people that were there, Hunter and Lady. Hunter is a new, uh, uh, a new Patreon supporter and, uh, you know, they have a podcast of their own. Megan, a listener that, that dropped by to say hi. Tim came out and gave us a, a very cool gift, which, which was very nice. And then Kim and her husband from the Fear Me podcast were there and uh, also really cool people to meet. And one other person that came by who uh, I thought deserved a special shout out is Michael Emerson. Oh. Recognize that name? I do. Michael Emerson, who you may know as um, uh, Ben Linus on Lost. That's awesome. So Michael Emerson was in the bar. I'm going to tell you a very quick Michael Emerson story from Walker Stalker Con. Was he there with his wife? He was not. Okay. Uh, He's but, married to, uh, I forget her character's name, but she was on uh, True Blood. Yes. Yes. She played Arlene or Darlene or the, yeah, yeah. the redheaded waitress at the, at the uh, bar. Anyways, so Christina and I are sitting there, well, standing at the bar to get our drink. Get a drink. It's, we've just arrived. Podcast listener meetup has, hasn't even really started yet. No other listeners are there. Um, Michael Emerson walks up, stands beside us, orders a drink, and sits down. At one open seat. While we're getting our drinks, the two seats beside him open up. So we sit down and we're, you know, started drinking our drinks and we're talking. We have not spoken to him at this point, but I am right beside him. And uh, <laughs> I did this thing and it may sound kind of funny, but a commercial came on the TV that was up behind the bar. And the commercial was for Volkswagen, I think, and it had Willie Nelson in it. Nice. Now, I legitimately, at the time, I swear to God, I legitimately could not remember Willie Nelson's name. So I said to Christina, what's that guy's name again? And Michael Emerson turned to me and said, that's Willie Nelson. And I said, oh, yeah, great. Thank you. By the way, I'm a huge fan of, of your work. <laughs> awesome. So I, I, I swear I legitimately couldn't remember Willie Nelson's name, but I used that as you know, a line that I knew he might respond to. So I kind of manipulated my way into a conversation with Ben Linus from Lost. Good work. So that was super fun. He came out, we chatted for a little while, we talked about his wife and, uh, you know, what he's been doing. We talked about Lost. And then after a little while, we said, you know, enjoy your drink and we moved on. So it was really fun. Right. You didn't watch, uh, you've never watched The Good Wife. No, but he told us to watch it because she plays yeah. a great character in that. Oh, her character's awesome in that. It's Elizabeth Tassioni is the name of her character. And that's actually <laughs> one of the, I'm always very, or always was very happy when she, uh, she was guesting on that, uh, on that show. Yeah. She was on a few times. Yeah. yeah. She's a great, great, great character. Even well, better than uh, the one she played in, in True Blood. In True Blood. Yeah. So he mentioned that and, and we said tr The Good Wife is a show that's been on our list to watch for a long time, but we we just haven't got around to it yet, but I think I might. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan's on the last season of that show too. See, it all comes back to the good wife. I, I it sounds like um, we might bump that up a little bit on the list since you know since we've now 
met Michael Emerson and and maybe Jeffrey Dean Morgan's on there. Um, anyways, gone on long enough about this. I'll just say the podcast listener meetup was super fun. Thank you so much, everyone who came out. And uh, we will have to do it again sometime, definitely next year when I'm in Atlanta for Walker Stalker Con again, because if all goes as planned, I'm going to be down there one more time, uh, at least. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, otherwise, you know, Christina got her photo taken with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He is a Good. hugger, apparently. So it's a oh, nice. big old hug between them. She got a photo taken with Stephen Yun and was sort of sad about that because Glenn's dead. Is he? He is. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For real this time. <laughs> and then, you know, her and I met uh, Tom Payne, who plays Jesus. Oh, we went to the Tom Payne Halloween party on the Saturday night, which is a, in a huge, like, banquet hall in the hotel. Uh-huh. And they had a band up on stage. Uh, let's see, Michael Trenor, who played Nicholas, the guy who fell on top of Glenn, he did a great version of, he got up and sang with the band, did a great version of Enter Sandman. Oh, cool. And then Tom Payne gets up and sings Everlong by uh, the Foo Fighters. Nice. These guys are talented people, I'll tell you. So it was really, really entertaining and a lot of fun. Anyways, Tom Payne, really nice guy, shorter than you you think he is. Everybody's shorter than I think they is. Well, <laughs> he really is shorter. Uh, we got we got a we got to meet Greg Nicotero, which was fun at his table. And so it was just a great weekend. And and big thanks to everyone and and. You know, I don't know. I could ramble on more, but I probably shouldn't. Awesome. I'm jealous that you got to go. Yeah, wish man. I wish I would have been there. You got to you gotta make it happen again sometime. You got, you got 300 and you got 12 months until the next one. So. All right. I'm counting down. Counting down. Your baby will be old enough then. Maybe you could even bring him along. Maybe. Dress him up as Negan. Uh, of course. <laughs> or Lucille. I'll be Negan. He'll be Lucille. <laughs> Oh man, that would be, just don't swing him around, okay? No, no, I wouldn't do that. He might be old enough, but I probably wouldn't do that. Or he'll be Negan and you'll be Lucille. He'll have to swing you around. Yeah, it could be. could go either way. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, God, I know we're here to talk about Season 7, Episode 2, which we're going to get to in a second. Um, but I do want to remind everyone that we're doing the Record Your Favorite Scene competition. That is up and running. And we have our first item to add to the prize bounty. Oh. Yeah, we got a prize. Uh, as I said, this will grow. This prize pack will grow over the course of the season. But right now, the first thing is uh, I have a shirt purchased at Nick and Norman's restaurant in Sonoy, Georgia. And it is a Nick and Norman's shirt. But the design on the front of it is a parody of the Queen 2 album cover. So that's the one where it's the members of the band's faces just in black and it's in a certain pattern well naked normans released a parody shirt of that with zombie faces in that same pattern it's a pretty cool shirt i thought cool and on the sleeve it says nick and normans so you could probably find pictures of it online if not when i get a chance i'm going to post it on our website so that is the first thing to go into the record your favorite scene competition prize box right and just as a uh, a surprise fun fact, every member of Queen has written a number one song. Yeah, you've brought that up on here before. <laughs> it's true. And the bass player is uh, also has his doctorate in astrophysics. So they're smart dudes. Yeah. Who can write songs. Very, very talented fucking band. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, uh, and a very, very cool shirt from Nick and Norman's, yep. um, which 
maybe we'll talk about on on uh, Thursday when we record the feedback show. Talk about our trip out to Sonoy. Okay, to give you an idea of the kind of thing where we get from our listeners, here is one of the first entries we received in our uh, Record Your Favorite Scene competition. This comes from Brad on the Gold Coast of Australia. Brad. Brad. You know I wouldn't have hobbled all the way down here if it wasn't important. Are you coming back soon? Glenn's on a warpath. Smart as he is, he can't fill your boots. We need you now more than ever. If you're so worried about him, you lead him. What are you doing out here? Uh, I, I've been... Got stuff out here. Stuff? How much longer do you need? I don't know. I don't... I saw something. Lori. I saw Lori. I'm seeing Lori. Oh. Look. I know it's not really her. But there's gotta be a reason. It's gotta mean something. You know? Was it her on the phone? Yeah. Shame too. Do you see him now? You're looking for him. I'm waiting. For what? I don't know. It it doesn't make sense. I I mean, it can make sense. In time, it'll make sense. Rick, come on in. You need rest. It's not safe out here. I can't. I can't. Thank you very much, Brad, for that. That is, of course, a scene between Rick and Herschel from the season three episode, Home. Awesome. Uh, now, that's obviously very well produced with sound effects, you know, a soundtrack, um, uh, you know, and Brad clearly is a talented audio editor, I guess. But uh, your entry doesn't have to have any of those. Not at all. It can just be you recording the scene. And like we said before, the recording quality is not important because we know not everyone has access to a studio and sound effects and things like that. So um, it's just about your sort of delivery of the lines and and what you bring to the scene yourself. So uh, thank you, Brad, for that. And I hope lots of other people send in entries soon. Yeah, you can always go to your, uh, your local recording studio and uh, rent some time and an engineer for, you know, six, seven hours and uh, record something. I'm sure it'll turn out fantastic. That's probably, what, 150 200 bucks an hour? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Plus the engineer, which is probably double that. <laughs> See? You know, then the cost of tape and because uh, you, you don't want to just record it onto digital into Pro Tools or something. You want to you actually get some two-inch tape in there and uh, get a nice, warm, rich sound. Warm, rich analog sound <laughs> yeah then you got to digitize it master it uh write it to a cd and then mail it to us <laughs> <laughs> right so after you've spent fourteen thousand dollars to record your uh you know minute and a half scene yep um we'll listen to it and uh probably say that was great <laughs> <laughs> yeah good work <laughs> all right it's anyway. always an option we're not going to limit anybody on uh, what they send in so if you want to do that you have the option you do 
All right. Well, we've been going here for nearly 20 minutes already. So for anyone who's stuck with us this long, now finally it's time to talk about Season 7, Episode 2. The Well. The Well. All right. That's it. Thank you, Gemma in Wales and Alan in Australia. Cool, cool. So, Jason, here we are. Last week was one of the most brutal, disturbing, just shocking things we've ever seen, not only on The Walking Dead, but on TV in general. And this week we have The Well, which doesn't involve uh, anybody we saw last week, including Negan. It uh, is primarily a story about Carol and Morgan and what they've been doing. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's uh, a, a dif- different bunch of characters doing a different bunch of things. It sure is. I, I'd like to mention something that Greg Nicotero said at a panel he did, which I did not moderate, but I attended. It was a panel at um, with uh, Nicotero and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So it, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's first experience at Walker Stalker Con and, and stuff like that. But Nicotero said, this was before the episode aired, of course, he said that season or episode two is the closest thing to a comedy that the show has done. And the idea is, you know, people might need a break or might need something different after the first episode that we got last week. I can see that. Yeah. So let's get into it. We open this episode with Carol and Morgan and they are traveling with some guys from the kingdom Carol is on a cart being pulled by a horse and obviously not in great shape. That's because the last time we saw her, she'd been shot two or three times by that member of Negan's group. And he was the guy that Morgan had to shoot to kill to save Carol after Morgan had gone through a long period of not wanting to kill anybody. Right. Yep. So that was last season. Uh, they're traveling down the road and we see Morgan, he's marking trees and stuff. And he says he's marking them so he, uh, knows their way back. Uh, we've also seen him do this before, right? All the way up from, uh, Georgia. Yeah, exactly. So he's a tree marker. Uh, suddenly they're attacked by walkers and Morgan and the kingdom guys fight them all off. But Carol starts hallucinating that the walkers are real people. So she sees living people kind of in place of some of the zombies that are crowding the area. Yeah, so we see the zombie kill, but then immediately after the zombie kill, they get transformed in her uh, adult mind in, back into the people they were before, and we see them, the, the actual people, fall down. Right. So she's just hallucinating this, obviously. Uh, but she gets up, because the cart falls over, she gets up and staggers away. She comes to a house... There's a metal fence around it. She sees an elderly woman woman in the window, but then it's uh, a walker, we find out. More zombies come around, and um, she continues to see people in their, you know, living form rather than their undead form. Uh, the kingdom people swoop in along with Morgan. They kill, They fight more of them. They kill them. They save Carol because she's not in great shape on the ground. She's injured. And uh, once they're safe and all the walkers are dead, Morgan marks the mailbox of the house, and they head off down the street towards some rather large-looking buildings. Yeah, so they're heading towards the city of some kind. It seems like it. They're heading towards the city. We cut to Carol in bed. Morgan's by her side, so I guess they've reached wherever they were going at this point. And she wakes up, and he tells her that she's been asleep for two days, so she's had a little bit of time to recover and heal. Holy crap, could I ever use 
some sleep like that. <laughs> I could really just use a couple of days of sleep. That'd be really nice. Two straight solid days of sleep, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I could do, <laughs> but I can't <laughs> afford it. <laughs> I have too yeah. much going on. Um, so Morgan pushing Carol outside in a wheelchair through the community. And so here we are in the kingdom. Now we've seen, we saw this in the trailer quite a bit. And I think we may have actually seen this, uh, or bits of this very scene. We see kids in a school, like in a class, basically in a, in a gazebo. We've got animals all over the place. We have lots of crops growing and just generally people going about their day. So it's weird because they've got crops growing in like the weirdest, oddest of places. Like they're in, uh, it looks like there's dishwasher or, you know, uh, washing machine basins. There's tires. There's uh, the drawers of filing cabinets. Uh, it seems kind of an odd place to grow a garden. I mean, I don't know, man. I think it's pretty smart. Like the filing cabinet thing, like you don't need filing cabinets anymore. Fill those up with dirt and grow some cucumbers in there or something. But why not just use the ground? Yeah, well, I mean, the the ground is, you know, everywhere. The ground's covered with it. Ground is covered with dirt, yeah. No, I get it. I mean, maybe they want to to maximize their space, so bulk up in a tall uh, filing cabinet. Sure. It's just, it, it seems kind of odd to me. Like, it seems like a lot of work went into making uh, the garden uh, out of odd materials when you could just, you know, plow a furrow in the front yard of a house. I suppose you're you're probably right, but uh, I don't know. I mean, otherwise they use the they just throw the filing cabinets away. Yeah, this is a weird kind of a fantasy land anyway, so I'm gonna let it slide. Yeah, that's probably a smart thing to do. Well, uh, Morgan tells her that the weapons they had are locked up, and uh, that you know the doctor has said that she should recover just fine, and he says they will leave Alexandria in about a week, maybe a bit more, when she's feeling a little bit better. And as they're going. They, turns out they're on their way to meet King Ezekiel and Morgan is sort of, uh, sheepishly, I would say, telling her that they are going to see King Ezekiel. And you can tell he feels a little bit awkward about the whole thing, uh, because once they get to a theater room, which is, I guess, his version of the throne room, uh-huh. uh, we see King Ezekiel and his big old tiger Shiva. Shiva. Yes. Shiva roars at them and we go to the opening credits. Yeah, it's a little bit odd. I mean, there's there's lighting. First of all, the uh the the theater lights are on the stage and the stage and the backdrop is uh scenes of castles. So they uh, really went all out on this uh weird kind of place. Well, King Ezekiel. So first of all, the lights are on, so obviously they have power. Yeah. Uh, or at least they have enough power to power the lights in this throne room of his. Um, do they explain the power at all? It's not they mentioned, don't. is it? They're later on, they they reference movie night, so they have power from somewhere. Oh, that's right. That's right. Generators, solar, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they uh, the filing cabinet drawers are hooked up to little tiny generators, so when you open and close the filing cabinet drawers, they generate just a tiny little bit of power. <laughs> they have... No, they have people whose job is to open and close the drawers over and over again to generate power, like like those old IKEA testing commercials. Remember? Uh, no. Remember it's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, open, yeah. close, open, close, over and over again. Yeah. So maybe they should put those in offices so to generate power when uh, when you open and close filing cabinets. 
Absolutely. And and they should coat every walking surface with uh, power generating pressure pads so that as you walk around, you generate power. Oh, they did that. They put uh, underneath the turnstile of a subway station, they put a piezoelectric pad and it generated enough power to power that the lights in that station. It boggles my mind why we aren't doing more of this sort of thing. Generate using pe- things people are doing anyways and not even thinking about it to generate, you know, clean power. Put them on the road. Put them on every Make road. Make like a half a mile of highway out of a piezoelectric mat of some kind uh, underneath the asphalt and fucking generate power. <laughs> I totally agree with you, man. Put it on every road they, they make from here on in. Feels like we'd have enough power for everything we ever need. I don't know. Oh my God, make my make the soles of my shoes out of that stuff and have it bat- power a little battery so I can charge my phone on the subway or something. It'd be amazing. It's a great idea. I don't know why people aren't doing this. Super, uh, super expensive. Maybe, but, you know, um, it just they just need to perfect it and start rolling it out and the price will come down. It's true. I realize I'm simplifying things. Anyways, let's get yep. back to the episode. Okay. We come back from the opening credits. Ezekiel tells the tiger to settle down, basically. Because you can tell tigers to settle down, and well, that works. He can, obviously. Uh, so we meet Jerry. He's Ezekiel's right-hand man and, I guess, security guard, because he's he's oh. also there. What did he call him? Is it attendant? No, it was something else. Squire? What did he I think he called him no, a squire. It wasn't a squire. It was something other... Uh, something courtly, where he was attendant. He's attending him in court. I forget what he called him, but okay. it was something entertaining, uh, no doubt. Well, anyways, he he's there, and you know Ezekiel asks Carol what she thinks of the kingdom and the king, and he says, you know, you're in the presence of the king, and you haven't said anything. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you about that in a second. So Carol smiles, and. She, you know, starts putting on her act and she says everything is amazing and she's kind of playing it up like she's all loopy on medication or something. Uh, yeah. And this is the, uh, this is the scene where she delivers that line from the trailer about not knowing what's going on in the most wonderful way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, you know, Ezekiel explains that everybody in the kingdom contributes. He has a motto and it's drink from the well, replenish the well. Basically, uh, you know, use the supplies we have, but help replenish them. Uh, they make a few more well puns about living well or whatever. And uh, Jerry offers Carol some fruit, specifically pomegranates, which she declines. And then uh, Ezekiel tells her that she can have pretty much whatever she needs. And she thanks his majesty or your majesty, she says. <laughs> yeah. So we go outside and Morgan admits that this is all a bit weird. So talk about it being weird, Jason. All right, do you mean like like it's just it's if this was real, it would be weird or is this weird for this show? Oh, that's uh, two <laughs> very distinct things and I think maybe both. Uh yeah. if I walked into this situation, uh you know, granted the zombie apocalypse is uh, not really a situation we're ever going to be in. Really, uh, but if I was in a situation where somebody was sincerely acting this way, like a king and uh, some kind of somebody else had corked and there was a fucking tiger on the stage, <laughs> you know, I think the first thing I would say is, "What am I taking crazy pills?" Right? Because <laughs> I'd feel like I was insane. 
or at least the only person that wasn't insane in the room. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that. And this whole thing, I was unsure about this whole thing the first time I watched it. When I watched through a second time and I kind of knew what to expect, and frankly, I knew where the episode was going. Right, and that's a very important piece. This all gets explained and become, it makes me completely okay with it by the end of this episode. That's the that's the thing. Everything kind of falls into place and y- you feel better about it all. But the first time through when you don't know where the episode's going, I'm with you. I was like, this is weird and I don't know if I like this. Like it's too quirky, <laughs> right? And yep. and just a little bit out there even for a show about the zombie apocalypse, but you know, we go outside and Morgan and Carol are there standing there. And he, like I said, he admits it's all a bit weird. And Carol calls the place a circus, make believe and playtime. Yep. Right. And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, they've gone too far with this. This is too much of a wacky make believe circus, like she says. Yeah, it is. It's really wacky. <laughs> so uh, she tells more. Carol tells Morgan that she's going to wait a bit, you know, regain some strength. But then she's leaving. She's basically going to escape. And Morgan says, you know, I'm not going to let you die out there, uh, which I, I wasn't quite sure if he meant, you know, you, you shouldn't go. You should stay here. Or if you go, I'm coming with you so I can help you survive, protect right. you. Um, but some people come out of a building approach and they sort of walk away and end their conversation. We cut to vehicles leaving the kingdom. And they are going, I think they refer to this in the episode as hunting. And we see them lead a bunch of pigs, like big old swine, into a room with a zombie hanging there to eat a live zombie. Yeah, a live zombie. Well, you know what I mean, a uh, zombie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, not quite clear exactly what's going on. Morgan asks, uh, he asks Richard one of the uh, kingdom guys, what's going on? Why the walker in there? And Richard explains that they want their bellies full of rot. Yeah. So was it on this show that we were talking about, uh, somebody told us about pigs that when they go in the wild, they turn feral and they grow like really coarse hair and their tusks grow again, like even tame, regular old farm pigs. uh, If you let them go for too long, they'll... uh, They'll actually grow tusks again. You know, I, I, I do recall hearing that somewhere, so it could have been on this podcast. I don't know. So it's been a couple of years since the beginning of the zombie uh, apocalypse yes. at this point, right? So wouldn't those pigs have gone uh, feral or something? They would get like, they, they'd look like more like wild boars than actual pigs? Well, maybe they're, they're not, maybe they haven't been around since the beginning. Maybe those are new pigs, like the kingdom is breeding them. But they said that uh, they used to get these, we're going somewhere where it was used to be plentiful in the country, but now only the city has them. So I don't think they're breeding these pigs. I think they're going and rounding them up. Okay. Anyway, I might be picking nits and I might be crazy too, because I seem to remember something about pigs going feral. There's a word for it. It's not feral, but uh, maybe Back- one of Because I think somebody, one of our listeners before wrote in and told us about uh what happens to pigs when they go back into the wild. And I want that listener to write in again and tell us again, because (laughs) we refused to learn that lesson last time. And I want to learn it again. We won't refuse to learn it this time. You could be right, but okay. But to that line about, uh, you can't find them in the country. You can only find them in the city. I think they were referring to the zombies, the walkers, not the pigs. 
Like, I think they, he was saying we've cleared out or there's just not as many walkers out in the countryside, but as soon as you get closer to the city, they're all over the place. Which I thought they were talking about the pigs. Sort of makes sense. I well, I'm no longer clear, but I thought they were because there's walkers out in the country. They got waylaid getting uh, uh, when Carol was on the cart. That was pretty close to their uh, their compound in the country. I, I guess unless the compound. Well, I don't know. We don't really. They were remember they were walking towards big buildings. They were walking towards a city. So I yeah. feel like their comp their the, the uh, kingdom must be closer to the city. Anyways. Clearly, there's I, well, some... I saw zombies in the country. I did not see pigs. Now we're in the kind of city. I see pigs and zombies. Yeah. So I assume they were talking about pigs. I guess. Okay. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. But um, the the more interesting thing I think is that Richard says they want their bellies full of rot, but we don't really know why at this point. We don't really know what they're doing. Even. Yeah, it's a little pigs. weird. Um, and as I said, there's there's a bunch of walkers around. Uh, so they decide to leave, but before they go, they ask Ben, another one of the kingdom, uh, people, a younger guy, a teenager, it looks like they ask him to kill one of them with a machete. And apparently Ben is still learning how to deal with walkers. So he approaches one, swings the machete, misses the head, but gets it in the shoulder, which isn't going to do anything to stop a zombie Yep. and, uh, needs to be helped out, needs to be saved basically, uh, by somebody because he's struggling with this thing. So, um, yeah, so that's our introduction to Ben, I guess, and kind of the problems he's having. And then before they go, Richard tells Morgan that nobody back home needs to know what they're doing here. And I think that's the point Morgan says, you mean about the zombie or the pigs? And Richard is like both. Everything. Everything. Don't just, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to take five seconds to explain it to you, but, uh, you know, just. Listen to what I'm saying and and do what I say. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, But then uh, one very interesting line happens at this point. Ezekiel mentions that someday they will all be free. And Richard says only halfway free. So that's essentially a foreshadowing moment of what we learn later on in this episode about what they actually are doing with the pigs. Yeah. but at this point, we go to commercial, and when we come back, they are arriving back at the kingdom. They drive through gates in the wall, and we get an overhead shot of the gates. And I have a question for you. Okay. We see the wall that they've built. The gates are open, and just inside the wall are a couple of school buses parked. Yep. Um, what do you do? You think there was a significance to those school buses being there? Like I started thinking, why would you park school buses there? Unless you think of this as almost like a double wall and a little moat in between, kind of. Like if someone if someone breaks down the wall or whatever, they just run into a school bus? Well, I think it's an extra protection. What they'll do is they'll drive those school buses towards each other and uh, help block off the uh, the gate. Oh, so it's a school bus gate. It's a school bus reinforcement of the gate. Got it. Okay. That's what I, uh, I didn't notice them before, honestly, but that's what I think they are. Or, yeah, okay, that that kind of makes sense. I also thought maybe they're there for people to stand on so they can they can uh, get a look or shoot over the wall if they need to without having to stand on top of the wall. Yeah, build a, a damn walkway. Like, don't <laughs> use school buses. That seems kind of a weird thing. You know, take, get some wood, build a platform, you know, like a proper castle. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised we don't have proper castle walls here, frankly. Yeah. I think, you know, a nice uh, a nice castle would uh, would really do these people 
Well, well in a place called the kingdom, you, you'd yeah. think you'd have castle walls. It's true. I don't know. Anyways, I just noticed those school buses, and I was like, interesting. I wonder if they're there for a reason. So they're walking in. Ezekiel compliments Morgan on his skill with the staff, and he asks him if he can train Ben in the art of Aikido, which nice. uh, which Morgan knows, of course. And he says apparently Ben is no good with the weapons, so they're going to try something else. Maybe he'll pick up on this. Morgan kind of Morgan questions the whole concept of it. He even questions like the staff as a weapon because he says the staff would not have helped save Carol for that. He needed a gun. It's true. Which is interesting. And I think this is pretty eye-opening for Morgan uh, because he realizes that, you know, that that staff wouldn't have helped in that situation. Yeah, it is. I think I agree with you. So Morgan agrees to train Ben. And then we move into kind of a montage of a bunch of stuff happening. Um, we get a choir singing. Which they, uh, which Ezekiel did mention earlier in the episode, you know, that we have a choir. And intercut with that, we have Morgan training Ben in that gazebo, and he's slowly getting better. I think you can see that. And we have Carol wheeling herself around in her wheelchair, visiting people, kind of playing dumb, and stealing stuff. Yeah, stealing knives and chocolate and jeans. Exactly. So she's stealing what she needs or what she thinks she needs to uh, escape, to leave the kingdom. I really kind of hope that Carol's uh, dumb, nice act is over. I'm getting kind of tired of it. I am totally with you. Uh, totally with you on that. It seemed like they ramped it up to 11 in this episode, too, you know? When she was in front of Ezekiel earlier on, I know she was, like, really playing it up there, but it it was kind of too much. I it, it really was. I, I wouldn't have bought it for a second. I'd be like, yeah, you, not only, well, it's kind of hard to, you know, who who's more full of shit, right? Ezekiel <laughs> and the tiger playing king or Carol being, uh, you know, just stupid and vapid. Yeah. You can't bullshit a bullshitter. No. And I would have called bullshit on both those, both those things if I was either one of them. Yeah. If I was either one. I would have called the other one bullshit. Yeah, totally. Um, so this Morgan, uh, this Morgan, this montage goes on for a bit. Carol has all the clothes, what she needs. Um, ben, we see he's getting better and better with the staff. They take a break and he asks Morgan to borrow his Aikido book, his ph philosophy book, I think he calls mm -hmm. it. Um, and then just as they're doing this, though, Ezekiel comes up and tells them they have important matters to attend to and suggests Morgan bring his gun. Bring your gun. Yes. Mm, you okay. Might need a gun. So back outside the kingdom, Ezekiel explains to him that the pigs are slaughtered far away to hide it from the people. He says that it's a secret he keeps from his people because he doesn't really want them to know what's going on. That is the nature of a secret. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, uh, you know, once it's explained, I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, you're right. It does kind of make sense. So some trucks drive up, a bunch of guys get out, and they are here to take the slaughtered pigs. And the head guy who's taking them says, it's good there are eight and they look bigger as usual, bigger than usual. Cool. Um, after a commercial break, they're loading the pigs into trucks and it's clear now that these are Negan's men. So the kingdom has the same arrangement with the saviors, Negan's men, as uh, I guess Rick and Alexandria have now in that Negan gets half of all their stuff. Why would they skin the pigs? 
You've been to pig roasts, right? Yeah. Skin's the best part. Um, I don't know. (laughs) That's a a good question. Um, it just seems kind of odd that they would skin them. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they uh, skin them so that they can keep the, the, the pig's skin and they're tanning them for, I don't know, books. (laughs) <laughs> maybe leather shirts <laughs> Le- well, yeah some pig. kind of armor i don't know maybe they're, they're keeping the skin maybe they the deal is we will get you pigs every week but we want to keep the skin for <laughs> pig skin purposes maybe. making footballs making making footballs making pig skin leather pants uh yeah. i'm all about making outfits purses shoes what have you maybe a wallet yeah uh, yeah leather cowboy hat that sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. I didn't even think of that. I just, like, it, it, why not provide the live pigs to them instead? Maybe it's easier to transport slaughtered well, pigs? Because they don't want to do anything. They just want to have stuff that's ready to go, right? Yeah, okay. I so that's so. why I'm thinking either, you know, butcher it so that you have uh, a nice, you know, pork chops and you have uh, bacon and sausage and ham. Shit, I'm hungry. That sounds all sounds delicious. Such a magical animal to pick. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so why not? You know, just they kind of went halfway, right? So you either provide them with the whole pig and have them go through the uh, and go through the butchering and preparing of the meat beforehand, or you know, completely prepare uh, everything and just give them a box of meat and say, "Here's your box of pig meat. Go have a you know pig meat time." Uh, yeah. Or provide them with the whole pig so that they can just throw it on a spit, or, you know, roll it around for a while and cook. Uh, have yourself a good uh, pig roast. I don't know, man. It's a question that we will never have the answer to, I think. Well, I think you need to go back to Atlanta and talk to Greg Nicotero. Find out what he was thinking. I'll ask him. I'll ask him or next Greg, year. Or Greg, write in because I know you're a listener. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you're a listener, but I think that'd be awesome if you were, Greg, and uh, write in. We'll 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 provide the answer without saying that you told us the answer, so that uh, people don't know that you're playing favorites. Because uh, we all know that you are we are your favorite podcast, but we don't want to have we don't want to tell everybody that you are certainly on a roll of making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I just right. want to know. Yeah, I know it's it's an interesting question that it didn't occur to me before. So they're loading the pigs on the trucks. One of Negan's guys tells Richard to smile, and he claims that they've been letting them off easy lately, whatever that means. And then for no reason at all, he takes a swing at Richard, who dodges it and punches him back. They well, This guy's obviously a hothead jerk that just, you know, loves the fact that he has power, a little yeah, bit of power. You're right. Why not punch a guy for no reason? Um, so they fight. Ezekiel tells them to stop. Everyone's put their we- uh, everyone has their weapons up at this point. Ezekiel says to put your weapons down. Um, Richard respects the word of his king, and he stops fighting. So he stands there and takes two full-on straight punches from this guy. Yeah. And the second one knocks him down into a wall, and Ezekiel is yelling at Gavin, I guess the leader of this group of Negan's men, uh, to tell him to stop, which he ultimately does. He stops punching Richard. And Gavin says, they've been good to us, and we've taken up more than enough of his time. Huh. I think that's interesting. Uh, we have one of Negan's men showing a little bit of sympathy. Yeah, just being polite, generally. Or, or, or being polite and, and saying, you know, there's no reason to punch them up. This group at the kingdom 
has fulfilled their end of the deal, basically, is what he's saying. Yeah. You don't have to be an asshole if they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. If they were flaky and every once in a while, you know, this one week they'd provide six pigs and the next week they provide three pigs and two and a half pigs. And, you know, if you're supposed to provide like 17 apples and you only provide 14 apples, then, you know, get really antsy and say, you know, it's you got to you got to do better. And, yeah. you know, you can be a bit of a jerk because Negan's crew, uh, you know, they can get away with being a bit of a jerk. But it sounds to me like the uh, the kingdom here is is hold full, fully holding up their end of the bargain. They're providing the exact number of pigs every week uh, or every time they need to provide pigs and they're providing produce the other times. Uh, you know, there's no reason to be a jerk about it. No, no reason to be a jerk at all. So and that's the way this guy feels. So that's good. Um Gavin, as they're leaving, says next week is produce week, so produce. Yeah. <laughs> Clever <a> guy. <laughs> Very. Yeah, this episode was full of puns. Yeah. Uh, now, Morgan admits he's encountered this group before, and the, the man he killed to save Carol was one of them. So, uh, you know, and Ezekiel says he wanted him here because he knew Morgan wouldn't get violent with them. Morgan raised his gun, but then then he lowered it. Uh, so back at the kingdom, Ben is apparently raising a kid, a son who is, is not his. Uh, he's telling him to eat his food and then get to bed by 10 after movie night. And Morgan's there. They're in some kind of cafeteria. Ben explains that he's raising the kid because he was close with his dad. And he explains that his father was a good fighter, but he died when he went out to clear a building. And since then, Ezekiel has much been much uh, more careful about sort of what he sends his subjects to do. Right. That's nice. Yeah. I wonder what movie they're going to watch. <laughs> I don't know. It's never revealed and we will never know. Shaun of the Dead? That'd be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> you got red on you. <laughs> Everybody has red on them now. Um, he also explains that Ezekiel's keeping the deal with the saviors quiet because people would want to fight back and he doesn't think fighting back is appropriate or... I guess he doesn't think they'd have any chance of winning that battle. Right. Um, and they're just, frankly, not sure if it's the right thing to do or not. Maybe the right thing to do is just keep the peace and give half our stuff and uh, everything will be okay. Um, they talk a little bit more about Aikido and not killing. And Morgan sort of uh, lays out his change of opinion here. He says, people can put you in the right direction, but you have to find your own way. And he says he thought he had it all figured out, but really he's just fumbling through. And sometimes it's okay to change your mind. So Morgan's kind of saying now, I used to be crazy and I was clearing. And then I was all about not killing at all. And now I'm somewhere in the middle, which is kind of a uh, do what's appropriate for the situation you're in. Right, which is how I like to live. Not crazy, not necessarily not killing, uh, just doing what's appropriate for the situation I'm in. Now, granted, I've never actually killed anybody yet, but that's because it's never really been appropriate. Yes, and let's hope it never is. Yeah, I really do hope because that would be bad, but uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of how I live my life. Good. Well, that's that's what Morgan's come to. So Morgan seems to have found some balance in the force here, right? He's like, I'm, I, I can't go full on either way, but I can at least live somewhere in the middle. Right. And that's good. Like Chewbacca. Exactly. You can be Yoda or you can be Darth Vader or you can be somewhere in the middle like Chewbacca. Perfect. Uh, Morgan goes to find Carol because he says he has to talk to her, but she's not in her room. 
and he sits down on the bed. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we are in the nighttime, and Carol is sneaking through the bushes. She picks, uh, I think it's an apple, off of the tree, and Ezekiel, you know, comes out of nowhere. He finds her, and he's lighting some fires, and Carol's putting on her innocence act again. And Ezekiel asks Jerry to leave them. So they're, they, he wants to talk in private. And he tells her that he can see right through her sweet and innocent act. Says it worked on him at first, but not for very long. Right. Um, That's because, you know, all the knives and chocolate were going missing. <laughs> yeah. So obviously someone's stealing this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ezekiel says that uh, she fought the saviors and won. So I guess he heard about her story and Carol questions if ending up here at the kingdom is actually winning anything because she tells him that this place is fake and he's selling people a fairy tale. And, uh, Ezekiel's response is maybe people need the fairy tale. Yeah. So this is where they have their big conversation about what's going on. Um, they sit down at a bench and there's a noticeable change in Ezekiel's like personality and demeanor here. I don't know if you and his accent watch this and his accent. Yeah. It com- the way he speaks completely changed. He's no longer acting like a King. He just says people sometimes need someone to follow and look up to. And, uh, basically it happened because people saw the tiger and assumed he was a strong person. So he just acted the part. Yeah. Right. I guess if you walk around with a tiger, People are going to be like, whoa, you must be important or very cool. So he just went with it. Or a magician. Not an illusionist, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> right. So he could have gone illusionist or king. He decided to go king. because yeah, illusionists, probably, probably smart. Yeah. The, no, an illusionist is never going to be your, your leader. <laughs> your leader. No, but you pay attention to illusionists because they do illusions and they're cool. They are cool. That That's true. He explains he was a zookeeper and he tells a story about saving Shiva when she was injured and uh, he knows keeping a tiger is impractical because she eats too much and so on and so on. And after the zombie apocalypse started, he went back to the zoo and she was one of the only animals left and she bonded with him. So that's why he has Shiva and that's why Shiva doesn't eat him. Um, he said he learned, you know, he, uh, he used to act in community theater. He played some kings. Uh, so that's where he sort of had the ability to to put on this act. But he did, says, did, did you get the list of kings that he, or are you going to do that right now? No, no, no. What are the list of kings? The, the Well, he talked about uh, Hamlet and uh, King Lear and Martin Luther. Yeah. So he played Martin Luther King. Hey, he's a king. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, but he admits his real name is, is Ezekiel, so he's not lying about that. That's good. And Is that his real hair, you think? Well... Are you asking me as if I was sitting there as Carol in the show wondering about that, or are you asking me as a viewer of the, a viewer of a TV show? Well, I think it, it's Ezekiel's real hair. I don't think it's the actor's real hair. Well, it's definitely not the actor's real hair, because I saw Kari Payton at Walker Con, and he does not have those giant dreads. Oh, that's too bad. I, I guess I'll just interject right here. I didn't think they looked very good, to be honest. I, never... I didn't think the tiger looked very good. Well, the tiger, I don't know, man. I thought the tiger was okay. The tiger looked better to me than, than I did in the trailer. That's for sure. So I think they've improved the effects on the tiger since then. Good. Uh, there were, you know, there were moments where I'm like, oh, that's totally a fake tiger. But overall, I thought they did okay with the tiger. 
The dreads, though, I was like, oh, that is such a wig. That is the biggest wig I've ever seen. And I realized never once have I questioned Michonne's dreads. But for some reason, his look terrible. Right, because his look like a hat. Michonne's don't. No. She also wears a hat. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe if he was also wearing a hat, we just think that, oh, he's wearing a hat with dreads coming out (laughs) instead of just this dreadlock hat that he's got on. Well, I don't know. I think her wig for the hair looks amazing. His not so much. Another part of it, to be honest, is he had that stupid feather sticking out of it the whole time. It just looked ridiculous to me. I'm like, I could have bought it a little more without the feather, I think. But the feather drove me crazy. It's it's uh, it's supposed to distract you from uh, from the dreadlock hat. You might not notice how bad these dreads look if you're staring at the feather the whole time. That's right. It's called peacocking. You, uh, If you're unsure about something, you wear something that is completely outlandish and uh, draws uh, draws attention to it. So if you get a really bad haircut, you wear like a totally wacky Hawaiian shirt and everyone will comment on the shirt and not notice your haircut. Yeah. Or if you go to a bar and you're an ugly motherfucker like me, you wear a <laughs> big, bold hat, like a big, stupid black cowboy hat. And uh, people say, hey, cool hat, man, without noticing that I'm an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> and all the ladies will go home with you because of your hat. Because you got a cool hat. That's right. That's exactly right. It's called peacocking. Look it up. All right. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to put that into play one of these days. <laughs> Um, where are we? So he says his real name is Ezekiel and he asks Carol to keep this a secret from the people. And she says, I can do whatever you want, but I'm still leaving. You know, I'm still out of here. I don't buy into your, your whole thing. And I refuse to subscribe to your newsletter. Yeah. I don't like your particular line of bullshit. So I'm probably going to leave. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to take my bullshit and go with me. Yeah. Now, Ezekiel recognizes that she's got nowhere to go. And he explains that where there's life, there's hope. And going out into the nothingness, there's no life. And he says maybe they can find a way for her to go and not go at the same time. Mm-hmm. Why not? And, uh, you know, Carol starts questioning why would he do this? Just why do you care, she says. And he says because it makes him feel good. So he's he's just a guy who does it for for the feels. Yeah. Nice. Um, we go to commercial. We are now outside the kingdom. Morgan and Carol have traveled back to that house from the beginning of the episode where with the metal fence around it and where Carol saw the uh, walker in the window. And it turns out she's going to live there on her own. There you go. So she has her own little place that's close to the kingdom, but not in it. She can be alone, but not too far away. And I guess she can still benefit from their supplies and have her own little place to be without being part of the, you know, a direct part of the bigger group. Right. So she can drink from the well, but have no way of replenishing the well. Yeah. It does seem to contradict a little bit what, you know, Ezekiel was all about at the beginning. And she does put a a real log on what is obviously a gas fireplace, which I think is a little odd, but you know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I do think that's, I think it's funny that, you just accept the premise that she's putting a log on a gas fireplace, which is weird, rather than, well, maybe it's an actual wood-burning fireplace. It's not. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> we're supposed to believe it is because there's no gas flowing to it anymore. Well, it's ridiculous. Would you know, build a real fire. Come on, people. Well, okay, I agree. Just make an actual fire. Don't use the gas fireplace. Anyways, she's there alone. Uh, Morgan gets on his horse and leaves. Carol goes into the house 
and she kills the walker who's in there. And uh, we see her burying the woman outside. So I guess that woman's probably been in there the whole time, probably lived there. And she's like, if I'm going to move into your house, I'll at least bury you in the lawn. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's just a polite thing to do. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sleep in your bed. I'm going to wear your clothes. I might as well bury you in your backyard. Yeah. Okay. That You're right. So she's inside, as you said, making a fire. There's a knock on the door and she's suddenly alarmed. But we hear Shiva roar. It's Shiva and Ezekiel. He has come with a pomegranate for her, which she rejected at the beginning of the episode. And he says, you really got to try one of these. Right. And so, he, oh my God, what's going on outside? Oh, phew, it's only a tiger. It's only a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So that's it. That's the episode. It ends right there. Um, what'd you think as a second episode of this season? Oh, it did get awfully close to being a comedy. Yeah. But I think we needed a little comic relief from uh, last week's episode. Uh, it started out awkward and weird, but I think that by the end of it, by the time Z Ezekiel explained what's going on, it's like you, you have to embrace the contradiction. Yes, it's outlandish. Uh, yes, it's a bit ridiculous, but I got a freaking tiger and it's a zombie apocalypse. You know, we're just going with it. And I, I think I accepted that explanation, and I think I'm good with it now. Yeah, it's it's funny you bring that up, because he really did, he used that line, embrace the contradiction, to explain sort of what he's doing in the apocalypse, but it also explains what this episode is doing within the context yeah. of the show, right? And there were some funny bits. I'm not going to say it was like laugh out loud funny. Um, I'll be honest, that scene from last season uh, where... Rick and Daryl get in a car to drive away and there's loud music playing and they kind of make a face at each other. I thought that was a little bit funnier. Remember that? Yeah. Um, but this was, this was pretty light. It, it took me a while to get used to Ezekiel. Like, remember how it took us a while to get used to Abraham and Rosita and Eugene when they showed up? Yeah. It, same thing for Ezekiel, but I think I've come around quicker on him because of the way they used him at the end of the episode. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and and the tiger, um, you didn't think the tiger looked good, eh? I knew I knew it was fake, and uh, I don't know, what are you supposed to do, though? Get a real freaking tiger and stick him on the stage yeah. next to an actor? I don't think so. Yeah. Because that's the, it's the largest cat. The thing weighs like 260 pounds. Uh, it'll... It'll just eat you. But but you can It'll get... Just simply eat you. You can get actor tigers, can you not? Like, you can get animals that act. Can you not hire a tiger for your movie? Yes, but I don't think you can hire a tiger for your movie and have it sitting next to an actor and the uh, tiger wrangler is uh, off, off stage somewhere, off the camera somewhere. That's I think you can get tigers to do things, but I don't think you can really get a tiger to sit next to your actor's. Huh. I think so you have to digitally do that. That's not a thing, eh? It's just too... And, and put it on a chain maybe might not be good either. <laughs> I have to go back and watch The Hangover because there was a tiger in that. Yeah, that's right. I'm pretty sure it was a real tiger too, so I'll have to see how they did that. I, I think they did it uh, cleverly so that the tiger and the actors weren't actually in the same place at the same time without some kind of invisible uh, to-the-camera barrier like uh -huh. they did in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, if, snakes. if any listeners out there have any insight into working with wild cats like tigers in movies, uh, send us an email. I'd be, I'd be curious to know. 
I thought the tiger looked reasonably good. And, and I, maybe even more than that. I thought the tiger looked much better than it did in the trailer. We saw I'll, it. I'll concede that point. We sure. saw it walk around in a circle in that throne room. Um, it, it just, um, okay. Just, you know, as it was doing that, I, I had moments where I'm like, Oh, it didn't sort of step right or something. It doesn't quite look real, but overall I thought it was okay. And, uh, I have a feeling we're not going to see the tiger all that much, to be honest, no. or maybe we'll see it from a distance, things like that. I want to see it rip somebody's head off, like one of the uh, one of the saviors. I wouldn't be surprised if we got that at some point. It's Chekhov's tiger. <laughs> yeah, you you show the tiger. You got to show that tiger doing something later on. That's true. Doing something awesome. Very very true. So yeah, so it took me a while to warm up to this episode, but in the end. I'd say I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I'm a little bit concerned in a way that this was almost like they're, they're wrapping up Carol's storyline for a little bit. Like they've put her in this house. She's going to live the quiet life there. We might not see her very much this season. Um, I have nothing to base that on other than, you know, they've put her away for a while, but do, right. you, do you think that might be a thing? I don't know. Could be, yeah. You know, just you know, story wise, I think they uh, they boxed her up and put her on a shelf, and they'll take her out when it's uh, comes time to shoot a propane tank. <laughs> Someone will attack the kingdom, and she is their secret weapon hiding outside, and she needs to uh, she'll need to save everybody again. It's true. Speaking of which, we went to Terminus in Atlanta, in uh, Georgia, and oh, we saw the building and saw sort of where Carol was shooting the propane tank. That was fun too. Nice. Yeah. Okay, well, um, as I said, yeah, not my favorite episode ever, but I certainly enjoyed it, and it was a nice break or a nice change from Season 7, Episode 1 last week, because next week we're back into Negan, as far as I can tell, and we're going to get more of that bastard story. <laughs> cool. So there you go. All right, let's uh, take a short break, and when we come back, we will read your holy crap moments for this episode. Stay with us. take a minute to thank some of our new patrons who have visited patreon.com slash the talking dead and uh supported us neil nathvani hopefully i'm getting that right jennifer sweeney and anwen holtshausen thank you so much for your patronage of this podcast and if you've pledged at a level involving a reward i will be in touch shortly but thank you so much if you would like to become a patron of the Talking Dead podcast, you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash the talking dead and choosing a small or submitting a small monthly pledge that helps us with all the costs of putting on this podcast. 
And again, there are different reward levels you can uh, choose for different things like stickers and t-shirts and the ability to program the content of the podcast to a degree. So please visit patreon.com slash the talking dead to learn about that. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us. Holy crap. Did you see that? It is time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And our first one comes from longtime listener Gemma in South Wales. She says, my holy crap moment this week was, holy crap, Carol has fast healing powers. She was shot twice and stabbed. At the beginning of this episode, she was stumbling away from walkers quite well, I thought, for a bullet wound to the leg. And then all she slept, all she slept for was two days. You know, this has come up before. People on this show recover quick. It seems well, like. Yes. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. There's magical powers going on in this universe. So healing quick, no problem. Soft heads. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're right. She was shot a couple times, stabbed, and she fell off that uh, that cart at the beginning and was up and hobbling, but pretty pretty well away from those zombies. So we'll just have to go with it. Um, there's something in the air. James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, holy crap, how bad was the CG on Shiva? (laughs) (laughs) I understand keeping a real tiger on set may not be the most practical endeavor, but the tiger looked worse than the Nerf ball zombie heads from seasons ago. I I agree. No, I do not agree. (laughs) Didn't look that bad. I thought I was surprised. Maybe my, maybe my expectations were low or something. And so the tiger was better than I thought. Jenny in South Carolina writes, holy crap, did you see the faces of the walkers as they turned back into living humans? It might just be me, but I was hoping they would throw us a bone and give us deceased cast members to look at as she hallucinated. It would have been neat to see the two people she killed back at the jail or the children. I I think that kind of would have made sense, actually. It it would have, but I don't know. It's hard to bring in actors after they've left the show, right? Well, uh, for sure, because they're not on anymore. They're not around all the time. You got to pay them just for one quick, quick scene. But yeah, because extras you don't have to pay. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. They're there anyways. I think. <laughs> yeah. No, it. Uh, I think it made more sense to me that she hallucinated real people that she didn't know than uh, than the ones she did know. Because it's not. Uh, she was having a hallucination, not an existential crisis. Yeah, but how do you hallucinate someone you've never seen? in real life before. Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> really? You just make up characters? Well, no, I mean in in dreams. Don't you have <laughs> dreams with uh, people that you you've never met? Well, I almost never remember my dreams, so I can't even think of the last dream I had. Oh, uh, I do. No, never. I I I feel like I don't dream, which I know isn't true, but I don't I don't remember dreams in the morning almost ever since I've grown older. As a younger kid, I did for sure, but Frankly, I can't remember having a dream with someone I've never met. So I don't know. Yeah, I've always had, I've had lots of dreams with people that I've never met. And oddly enough, I always know that I'm dreaming when I'm dreaming. Yeah, you're a lucid dreamer. That's lucky. Yeah. 
That means you can jump off buildings and like fly like Superman if you want, right? Well, I can can control it, but mostly it's just weird things like, uh, oh, we need to inspect this pet shop because these birds look a little mangy, so we have to go around and uh, make sure everything's okay in here. That is so bizarre. With Jane Lynch. <laughs> that was the last dream I had. It was Jane Lynch doing the inspection of this pet shop. It was really weird. <laughs> you should write a book of all your Jane Lynch dreams. It's just the, it's the only Jane Lynch dream I've ever had. Okay, well, you should write a, a book based on that. Pet pet shop inspectors. Yeah, well, she was pretty pissed off about the birds because they look pretty bad. Jason Miles, pet shop inspector. It was it was, it was Jane Lynch that was I was just tagging along. Oh, okay. You were you were the <laughs> apprentice learning to be a pet shop inspector. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds hilarious, and I hope you write that book. <laughs> Emily in New Zealand writes, "Holy crap! I just wanted to quickly write in and say that the zombie at the start of the episode, which got its face sliced off, disturbed me significantly more than anything." That happened in the premiere. So, I'm so glad somebody brought that up. Go ahead, keep going. So gross and also presumably ineffective because its brain looked fine to me. So It's true. We just cut off the face. It was like a nose hole and a couple of eye holes and a mouth hole. The brain is fine. So, you know, let that fucking thing walk around for a while. That would be pretty scary. Zombie with no face or anything with no face. Uh, but more disturbing than anything in the season premiere? It was pretty. It was pretty cool. I thought. I don't know if it was disturbing, but I'm glad somebody brought that up because uh, I I was going to bring it up, but we got past it before I could. So yeah, I thought it was pretty neat. I thought it was neat too. And our next one here is from George in Byron Bay, Australia. Holy crap! Did you see that cold open? It was perhaps one of the most stylistic and creatively ambitious scenes The Walking Dead has ever done. I can't decide whether I thought it was amazing or too disconnected from reality. That walker getting its face sliced off was fantastic. I guess that's what happens when Nicotero is directing. So I didn't realize this, but Nicotero directed this one as well as the first one. He sure did. That's why I wanted to ask him about the pigs. Right, right, right. He directed it. Yeah, well, he would know, I guess. Um, but uh, how how do you feel about this this being the most stylistic and creatively ambitious scene The Walking Dead has ever done? I think what George is referring to is we kind of get initially that pan up to of, of the uh, the cart that Carol is on. We see her, and then we fade down to black and and come back up as they're getting attacked. And it felt like a very dreamlike thing at first. And then we're kind of in Carol's perspective with all the hallucinating and stuff like that. So there was a little bit of uh, creativity and style injected into this cold open. There was. Yeah. I don't know if it's the most creative and thing they've ever done, but uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I think it was pretty nice. Um, I, you could feel it though. You could feel what they were trying to do to do something a little bit different. Right. And I think it worked. So I'm okay with yeah. it. Adam in Texas writes, holy crap, I love this episode. The premiere showed us the very worst the story has to offer. This episode showed us the best, a glimmer of hope and possibly new ally to overthrow Negan. So, yeah, that'd be good. They're going to get that's why they're, they don't want to go up against the saviors is uh, because they, they you know feel that they would lose people and probably not win. But now that uh, Rick and the gang are on board, uh, they're uh, they're going to kick some butt. They're, they're sorry. They're, they're going to be sorry that they fucked with us. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for these two groups to figure that out, but you could be right. You need support if you're going to try to overthrow a dude like Negan. Yeah. Bedell in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina writes, holy fake tiger crap. 
but I guess I couldn't do any better. It doesn't bug me, and I can suspend my disbelief. Seeing a real tiger, I'd probably be breaking the fourth wall and worrying about the poor creature in real life. Yeah, it's fake, but who cares? Right. So, it's a tiger, it's going to eat somebody at some point, and then we'll never see it again. Uh, Sally on the internet writes, holy crap, King Ezekiel, a crazy leader of a group of survivors, and it's not a bad thing. I am in deep dig of the king. <laughs> the CGI tiger, not so much, but meh. So uh, some people don't like the tiger, but they're willing to forgive it, I think. And it sounds like Sally thought uh, Ezekiel was pretty cool and nice to have, you know, the leader of a group and they're not a total asshat. Yeah, I think uh, I think Ezekiel King Ezekiel is uh, is going to be fun. We're going to need to call him King Ezekiel, right? Because it's inappropriate to refer to the king without prefacing it with the king or king. Uh, well, I don't know. His Royal Highness in the, in the third person, King Ezekiel. Wait, well, yeah, I guess we'd always say Queen Elizabeth instead of Liz. Right? You're right. Referring to her as Liz, you know, Liz has, uh, you know, went on tour a little while ago. No, Queen Elizabeth goes on tour. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's that's how you do it. All right. Um, okay. Noop J on the internet writes, holy crap, it's subtle, but the scene where the king, see, and Carol are talking, uh, you hear his regal accent slipping away and it's magical. Wonderful way to peel back the facade of his royalty as he's telling her, for he, uh, he is no real king, just a guy who sees the moment. Moments like this remind me of how awesome the source material is. Scott Gimple is sticking to the comics for good or ill, and King Ezekiel is definitely the good. True. And as we said, that scene is kind of what made the whole episode for us, because he explains what he's doing. You can buy into it, and it no longer seems so totally ridiculous. Because <laughs> up until that point, there was a level of ridiculousness that I wasn't quite comfortable with. There was. So a couple more here. Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, cracks in Negan's armor. There seem to be some decent people among Negan's men, men who know not to bully and abuse the people helping them. I'm not saying they're saints, but I can see Negan's men turning on him. So, of course, Sean is referring to, I think, Gavin, who yep. shows some compassion or at least understands that these people are living up to their end of the bargain and they we don't need to beat them up for no reason. Do you think that's foreshadowing of of, you know, something that could could happen with Negan's men where they they turn on oh, yeah. him or revolt? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Negan's got his uh his corkschmucks uh, around him that are sadistic asshats uh that he likes to have around, but then uh you know, if there's a lot of them, they're uh there's probably going to be sympathy in uh, for the other people, like the other communities out there uh, within his ranks. And you can, you can turn people uh, pretty easily, especially when there's, uh, you know, there's no national loyalty here or religious loyalty. It's, uh, it's just this crazy guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's, he's a sadistic asshat. And if, uh, you know, I'm doing what he's telling me to do because, uh, it's the easiest thing to do right now, but once uh, once it becomes easier to help one of these communities, then they'll they'll jump jump ship for sure. We've really brought the uh, the term asshat back in the last uh, few minutes of this podcast here. 
Well, I'm going to say it again. Sadistic asshat. Perfect. <laughs> Someone make that their ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Finally, Michael in London. This week's holy crap for me was holy crap. What was the deal with those bloody pomegranates? Ezekiel must be very happy with the kingdom's crop growing techniques to follow Carol all the way out to her new house just for her to take a bite. <laughs> well, you got to walk your tiger. You can't just leave it on a chain. Oh, uh, see? Chained to uh, someplace. Uh, you got you to gotta take your tiger for a walk. Tigers probably need a ton of exercise. Yeah. You know, so I guess you do have to take your tiger for a walk. Uh, and let them uh yeah let them eat some do tigers chase squirrels like cats do probably eh? i I would imagine i mean cats chase uh flies and stuff yeah you know sky raisins as my cats refer to them uh (laughs) so i assume a tiger would chase a chase a squirrel just for fun or a fly i mean why not yeah so you got to take your tiger out let him chase a couple of squirrels you know take down a zombie or two and deliver pomegranates to your new best friend. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like a good afternoon. Nice Saturday afternoon thing to do there. It sure does. All right, thank you so much for everybody uh, who who wrote in, and of course everybody who listens. Um, That's going to do it for this episode of The Talking Dead. It was number 288. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending an email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. If you don't follow us on Facebook, please visit our page there. You know, I posted a picture of me and Christina with Tom Payne. He, he signed a, a headshot of him, not really a headshot, but it's, it's a, it's a frame from the episode last season where Daryl and him are running around that field. Daryl's trying to catch him. And then the truck goes in the river. Remember that? Yep, yep. And uh, he wrote, um, you know, what did he write? Here, I have it right here. Uh, Chris and Christina, Jesus loves you, Tom Payne. <laughs> so <laughs> I really liked that. It was nice. I'm going to put that up on my Walking Dead photo wall, and cool. uh, it's good times. Um, anyways, there's a picture on our Facebook page of us with him if you want to check that out. So facebook.com slash the talking dead. If you can, uh, use our Amazon links when you do your shopping at Amazon. Visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice. It's a great way to help support the show uh, when you shop at Amazon and it doesn't cost you an extra thing. So we really appreciate that. And of course, Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Okay. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday or maybe Friday morning by the time you get it with our feedback show for this episode. So keep that feedback coming in. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about our trip to Sonoy, Georgia, where they shoot the show. And uh, I can tell you why I lay down on the ground in an alley in Georgia. Drunk, of course. (laughs) I was not drunk yet when I did that. (laughs) Yet. Yeah. All right, everyone. I was drinking, but I wasn't drunk. Exactly. No, that's not even true. I had to drive everyone safely back to Atlanta later that day, so there was no drinking for me. Except for Mr. Pibb. You ever had a Mr. Pibb? Uh, I don't know what that is. It's kind of like Dr. Pepper, but I'd never tried it. So uh, we went into a store. I bought a Mr. Pibb and drank that on the way back. Right. Is it is it as good? It seems like a Dr. Pepper would be better because, you know, the, the, the pop went to some kind of uh, medical school or... Maybe it wasn't a, is Dr. Pepper a medical doctor or a doctorate of philosophy or something? I, what, do you, what do you think? I've never thought about it, but. Uh, does he have a doctor, doctorate of pepper? 
Yeah, that's what it must be. <laughs> pepper, pepper doctorate. A pepper doctorate. And, uh, yeah, you know, Mr. Pibb is just a mister, so what has he ever done? Exactly. That's the thing is that, uh, you know, he didn't have a dissertation. Uh, he didn't have to go through, you know, 12 years of uh, Pepper Medical School. <laughs> Although it was, it was actually Mr. Pibb um, Extra. Mr. Pib Extra. So I'm not sure what that means, but uh, we were with Jason from the Walking Dead cast, and he said that you know, and add extra to anything, it makes it sound even more special. So this is this is going to be the Talking Dead Extra this t- from now on. Cool. Yeah. So, anyways, that's just silliness. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. <laughs>